0: Online service, and and we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 25. So, Father, we do ask that you would just bless this time in the teaching of your Word, and we're so grateful that in a time where there's a lot of confusion, that we can have certainty and truth. We know that in this time where where people are um, just uh, wondering and maybe have anxiety or anger, that Lord, we can come to your Word and find peace and that we can have a peace in our hearts and, Lord, a peace that passes understanding that only comes from you. We can find comfort and we can find truth because your word is truth. I pray right now that as we get into your word, that you would touch our hearts with it and they would help us remember that uh, things that we're seeing now is going to culminate to where Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to rule and reign and then righteousness WILL PREVAIL, RIGHTEOUSNESS WILL COVER THE EARTH AS WATERS COVER THE SEA, AS THE PROPHET ISAIAH SAYS, SO JUST TOUCH OUR HEARTS RIGHT NOW WITH YOUR WORD, AND IT'S IN JESUS' NAME THAT WE PRAY, AMEN. SO JEREMIAH, AS WE ENTER INTO CHAPTER 25 AND MOVE INTO CHAPTER 26, JEREMIAH IS REALLY AT THE MIDWAY POINT OF HIS MINISTRY, KEEP IN MIND. THAT JEREMIAH MINISTERED FOR ABOUT 40 YEARS uh, IN JUDAH. AND AS HE'S MINISTERING THE WORD OF THE LORD, WE HAVE SEEN THAT HE'S BROUGHT A VERY DIFFICULT MESSAGE TO THE HOUSE OF JUDAH, GOD'S PEOPLE. Judgment's going to come to you because they had forsaken the Lord. They had turned away from the Lord. They had made the determination that they were going to follow the dictates of their evil hearts, as Jeremiah says and and is written here in God's Word. And they weren't interested in following the ways of the Lord. They weren't interested in, in worshiping the Lord and turning back to Him. They had worshiped false idols, and uh, there was all kinds of sin that was involved in the nation that we have seen listed here in the book of Jeremiah. There's immorality, there's covetousness, there was violence, there was greed, there was all kinds of problems that were taking place. And they had a form of religiousness in worshiping the Baals and the Ashtoreths. BUT IT WAS ALL FALSE. THEY WERE WORSHIPPING THE QUEEN OF HEAVEN AND MAKING CAKES TO HER, AS WE HAVE SEEN. THEY WERE SACRIFICING THEIR OWN CHILDREN IN THE ARMS OF MOLOCH IN THE GEHENNA VALLEY. So the Lord is calling the people to turn back to him, to his ways, and of course, it goes back to the Mosaic covenant that the Lord made with them when they were out Mount Sinai there in the book of Exodus. And you see that God made a covenant and said that if you follow after me, then all will be well with you, and you'll be blessed, and the land will produce crops, and I'll send the rain, and I'll protect you from the enemy. BUT IF YOU FORSAKE ME AND GO AFTER THOSE OTHER GODS, THOSE FALSE GODS, THOSE IDOLS, THEN IT'S GOING TO BE, YOU KNOW, BAD NEWS. AND and THERE'S GOING TO BE THE CURSES THAT WILL COME AND YOU'LL EVENTUALLY GO OFF INTO CAPTIVITY. SO THE LORD HAS BEEN SENDING US PROPHETS, AS WE ALREADY HAVE TALKED ABOUT WHEN WE are IN THE BOOK OF ISAIAH, BUT ALSO WE'VE SEEN IT HERE IN JEREMIAH THAT THE TEN NORTHERN TRIBES would go off into captivity, the house of Israel, in 722 BC. And then also we see that now the house of Judah is going to go off into captivity. And matter of fact, early in Jeremiah's ministry, he would say that that Israel, uh, that you should have learned from your sister Israel. You saw what happened to her in going off into captivity by the Assyrians, but yet, YOU ARE DOING THE SAME THING. SO GOD'S HEART IS GRIEVED. JEREMIAH IS GRIEVED. HE'S KNOWN AS THE WEEPING PROPHET, AND HE'S BEING PERSECUTED FOR THE MESSAGE THAT HE HAS GIVEN. SO WE SAW THAT JEREMIAH ADDRESSES THE UNGODLY KINGS THAT WOULD COME AFTER JOSIAH, HIS SONS, uh, FOUR OF THEM, THREE OF THEM WERE HIS SONS, ONE WAS A GRANDSON, AND WE TALKED ABOUT THEIR RULE AND HOW THEY WOULD REBEL AGAINST THE LORD, BUT ALSO WE KNOW THAT JEREMIAH WOULD ADDRESS THE SPIRITUAL LEADERS AND THE SPIRITUAL LEADERS THAT WERE GIVEN A MESSAGE THAT WAS FALSE OF PEACE AND PROSPERITY. DON'T LISTEN TO JEREMIAH. MATTER OF FACT, WE'RE GOING TO PUT HIM IN STOCKS AND and WE'RE GOING TO TIE him UP, AND IT WOULD BE PAINFUL FOR JEREMIAH TO GO THROUGH THAT PERSECUTION THERE AT THE ENTRANCE OF THE HOUSE OF THE LORD. PEOPLE WERE MOCKING HIM. THE PERSECUTION IS GOING TO GET WORSE FOR JEREMIAH. THEY WEREN'T LISTENING TO HIM. AND, and JEREMIAH, AS HE WAS BRINGING A MESSAGE OF JERUSALEM IS GOING TO BE uh, a desolation. He, he would take uh, the vase, he would take the pottery, and he would break it before the leaders there overlooking the Valley of Gehenna. And he would say, that's what's going to happen to Jerusalem. And they would see Jeremiah as a traitor. They would see him as one that uh, is speaking against the nation. And don't listen to Jeremiah because it's going to be peace and prosperity. This is Jerusalem. We're God's covenant people. But yet they refuse to turn to the truth of what Jeremiah was saying. So, as we continue in chapter 25, uh, Jeremiah again in the middle of his ministry, we read that the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, which was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon which Jeremiah the prophet spoke to all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, verse 3, From the thirteenth year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, even to this day, this is the twenty-third year in which the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, but you have not listened. And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, rising early, sending them, but you have not listened, nor incline your ear to hear. So it wasn't just Jeremiah. Of course, it was uh, before this Isaiah that he ministered for 40 to 50 years to the house of Israel and then to the house of Judah, Micah, some of the other prophets that were on the scene. They rose up early. They spoke the truth of God's word. But it says you would not listen nor incline your ear to hear. Listen, it is a bad place to be. WHEN WE ARE NO LONGER LISTENING TO THE WORD OF THE LORD, WHEN WE ARE FOLLOWING THE DICTATES OF OUR FLESH and, AND FULFILLING OUR FLESH AND GOING THE WAY OF THE WORLD, WHEN WE BEGIN TO PUSH GOD'S VOICE AND HIS WORD OUT OF OUR HEARTS AND OUT OF OUR MINDS, IT IS A TERRIBLE PLACE TO BE BECAUSE YOU'RE GOING TO END UP GOING DOWN A ROAD THAT YOU DON'T WANT TO GO. IT IS GOING TO LEAD TO CAPTIVITY. YOU'RE GOING TO BE HELD CAPTIVE BY THE WORLD, AND YOU'RE GOING TO BE DEFEATED SPIRITUALLY. YOU'RE GOING TO BE DOWNCAST. YOU'RE GOING TO BE WONDERING. YOU'RE GOING TO BE CONFUSED. AND YOU'RE GOING TO END UP REAPING, AS YOU'RE SOWING SEEDS OF THE FLESH AND OF CORRUPTION, YOU'RE GOING TO REAP CORRUPTION IS WHAT'S GOING TO HAPPEN. AND THE WORD OF GOD TELLS US THAT. SO THEY REFUSE TO TURN TO THE LORD. IF WE GET ANYTHING OUT, JEREMIAH, IS THAT THERE'S TERRIBLE CONSEQUENCES WHEN WE TURN AWAY FROM THE TRUTH OF GOD'S WORD. SO THAT'S WHY IT'S VERY IMPORTANT THAT WE HAVE HEARTS THAT ARE SOFT BEFORE THE LORD, EVEN AS DAVID SAID, THAT SEARCH ME AND TRY ME AND SEE IF THERE BE ANY WICKED WAY IN ME AND LEAD ME IN THE WAY EVERLASTING. TO HAVE A HEART THAT IS LIKE fertile SOIL, TO TAKE THE WORD OF GOD, THE seed OF THE WORD, AND HAVE IT PLANTED THERE THAT IT MAY TAKE ROOT AND THEN PRODUCE FRUIT IN OUR LIVES. BUT UNFORTUNATELY, WHAT IS HAPPENING FAR TOO OFTEN IS THE WORD OF GOD IS NOT, FIRST OF ALL, BEING PROCLAIMED, AND THEN SECOND OF ALL, WHEN IT IS PROCLAIMED, IT'S BEING DISMISSED. AND I PRAY AND HOPE THAT WE WOULD ALWAYS HAVE A HEART FOR THE WORD OF GOD, THAT WE WOULD KNOW THAT IT IS PROFITABLE FOR DOCTRINE, FOR REPROOF, FOR for CORRECTION, FOR INSTRUCTION AND RIGHTEOUSNESS, THAT WE WOULDN'T HEAR THE WORD OF GOD AND THEN DISMISS IT. WELL, THAT ISN'T FOR ME IN MY LIFE. I DON'T NEED TO LIVE A LIFE OF MORALITY, uh, I don't need to keep myself pure. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and live in immorality. I'm going to to sleep with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, because that feels right. And that is acceptable to culture. And you're not listening to the Lord even though he's bringing conviction, and he's not trying to be a killjoy in your life. He knows that you're going to get hurt, and his ways are good. And we are to pursue that which the Lord says, "I want you to pursue holiness and purity and righteousness and to love others and to love me most of all, that that is experiencing the abundant life that He has for us, because the world's going to leave you empty. So Jeremiah had been prophesying for 23 years. Nobody listened. How frustrating do you think that would be? I, I've been pastoring here. We started the, the church. 24 years ago. And I think about if I would be at this point 23, 24 years that nobody was listening, that no one came to Christ, how frustrating that would be. But Jeremiah was faithful to continue to give the truth of God's word. And maybe, perhaps, that you are giving the word of the Lord to your kids, to your grandkids, to loved ones, to the person at work. Maybe you've been doing it for 23 days. Maybe you've been doing it for 23 weeks. Maybe you've been doing it for 23 years or longer. And it's frustrating because they're not listening. You keep giving the word of the Lord and the truth of God's word and praying for them. And don't stop. Don't stop. Continue to do that and minister to them and present them before the Lord. So as we see here in this chapter, the first 14 verses, that Jeremiah is speaking to the house of Judah. And then we're going to see for the rest of the chapter that he's going to be speaking and giving a message to the Gentiles. But let's continue in verse 4 of chapter 25. And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, rising early, sending them, but you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear, as we've read. Verse 5, they said, Repent now, everyone, of his evil way, in his evil doings, and dwell in the land that the Lord has given to you and your fathers forever and ever. Do not go after other gods to serve them or to worship them. Do not provoke me to anger with the works of your hands, and I will not harm you. Verse 7 Yet you have not listened to me, says the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. So he reiterates again this covenant that he had made with his. PEOPLE, YOU HAVE NOT LISTENED, A COMMON THEME uh, THAT IS GIVEN, AND THE LORD HAS SAID THAT OVER AND OVER AGAIN, YOU WON'T LISTEN TO ME. THEY SAID THAT WE'RE GOING TO FOLLOW THE EVIL DICTATES OF OUR HEARTS. AND HE ALSO HAS SENT THE OTHER PROPHETS WHO WARNED THE PEOPLE TO TURN FROM THEIR WICKED WAYS, AS WE'VE ALREADY MENTIONED. BUT AS WE CONTINUE IN VERSE 8, THEREFORE, THUS SAYS THE LORD OF HOSTS, BECAUSE YOU HAVE NOT HEARD MY WORDS, BEHOLD, I WILL SEND AND TAKE ALL THE FAMILIES OF THE NORTH, SAYS THE LORD, AND Nebuchadnezzar, THE KING OF BABYLON, MY SERVANT, AND WILL BRING THEM AGAINST THIS LAND, AGAINST ITS INHABITANTS, and against these nations all around, and will utterly destroy them, and make them an astonishment, a hissing, or perpetual desolations. And moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth, and a voice of gladness, and the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, and the sound of the millstones, and the light of the lamp. And this whole land shall be a desolation, and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon. 70 years. It's interesting. First of all, notice that in verse 9, because you have not heard my words, you have not heeded to my words, that Nebuchadnezzar, my servant, kind of interesting that God calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant because he would be used to accomplish God's purposes. And this is the first time in these verses that we read that he says that you're going to go off. You're going to serve the the king of Babylon for 70 years. That's how long the captivity is going to last. So Jeremiah has been saying <clears throat> you're going to go off in the captivity. This is the first time that he said this is the length of the captivity that's going to take place. Now a couple things here we know that uh, as you read second chronicles chapter 36 verse 21 it gives us a further explanation why the length of time of captivity is 70 years And as I'll read it to you, but we do know that uh, in that, uh, at the end of the 2nd Chronicles, again, chapter 36, verse 21, I'm gonna read it to you, that those who escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon, and where they became servants to him, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, and his sons, until the rule of the kingdom of Persia. TO FULFILL THE WORD OF THE LORD BY THE MOUTH OF JEREMIAH UNTIL THE LAND HAD ENJOYED HER SABBATH. AS LONG AS SHE LAY DESOLATE, SHE KEPT Uh, Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord of the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me. And he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among you of all peoples. May the Lord his God be with him and let him go up." So interesting implications here, that when they went off into captivity, this destruction of Jerusalem, that it would be fulfilled by the mouth of Jeremiah, that it would be 70 years of captivity. We know when you read the book of Daniel, that in Daniel chapter 9, that at the, towards the end of the seventy years, he begins to pray. He's praying for the people that are going to return. He's praying for the nation. We have sin, and that's where you get that amazing prophecy, the 70 weeks of Daniel. Daniel, as the angel Gabriel came to him, I didn't come to give you understanding in about 70 years, but about 70 weeks. That's another teaching for another time. But 70 years, Daniel knew the prophecy of Jeremiah. But what was taking place here is we are told, according to 2 Chronicles 36, what we just read, That it, it goes along with Leviticus chapter 25. Now, in the law, the law said that the land was the rest every seven years. AND THEY HAD IGNORED THAT FOR 490 YEARS. SO THEY WOULD PLANT THE LAND FOR SIX YEARS. THE LORD PROMISED THAT AS YOU FOLLOW AFTER ME AND IT'S GOING TO BE WELL WITH YOU, um, YOU'RE GOING TO PRODUCE THE LAND, I'LL SEND THE RAINS, BUT IN THE SIXTH YEAR, YOU'RE GOING TO HAVE A DOUBLE HARVEST THAT'S GOING TO CARRY YOU THROUGH THE SEVENTH YEAR. THEY REFUSED TO DO THAT, SO THEY DID NOT uh, keep the Sabbath rest for the land uh, every seven years, resting the land for 490 years. So the Lord says, I'm going to get my 70 years back. So that's how long the captivity is going to last. And then the land is going to rest for 70 years. And it all goes back to the law of God. And it's interesting that we do know that here in Nebuchadnezzar is called a servant of God. Nebuchadnezzar was used for God's purposes to take them off into captivity because they have gone full blown into idol worship and rebellion against God, refusing to turn back. So you're going to go through this time of captivity and, and they would come back and into the land and once again begin to rebuild it. And he would use Nebuchadnezzar to accomplish his purposes. We also know that at the end of 70 years that Cyrus, who was the king of Persia, the Medo-Persian Empire, would come and defeat Babylon. And we know that it, it would take place in that that Cyrus, as you read Daniel chapter 5, that we see the uh, last night that Babylon would stand as is there having a party with a thousand of his lords, and he's toasting to the gods of Babylon, and then there was a handwriting on the wall, meaning, Mini Tekel, you, that you have been found, you know, uh, Wanting and, and, um, AND YOU ARE GOING TO DIE TONIGHT, BELSHAZZAR, KING OF BABYLON, AND YOUR KINGDOM IS GOING TO FALL TO THE MEDES AND THE Persian. WHILE THAT WAS ALL GOING ON, CYRUS WAS ON THE OUTSIDE OF THE WALLS OF BABYLON, AND THEY SAY THAT THE WALLS OF BABYLON WERE MAGNIFICENT. There were double walls. The outside wall was some believed that it was as higher than 300 feet, and you could RAISE six chariots on top of the wall. And the Euphrates River would run under the wall of Babylon, and then there would be kind of this moat. And then there was an inner wall that was there, and uh, it was a very beautiful city. And It's interesting that not only is Nebuchadnezzar called a servant, but as you go to Isaiah, and you might remember this, that Isaiah, 200 years before it happened, before Babylon fell to the Medes and the Persians, that Isaiah was prophesying about Cyrus. And he says this. It's an amazing prophecy in Isaiah chapter 44, and as you move into chapter 45. BUT WHO SAYS TO THE DEEP, BE DRY? AND I WILL DRY UP YOUR RIVERS. WHO SAYS OF CYRUS, HE IS MY SHEPHERD? HE SHALL PERFORM ALL MY PLEASURE, SAYING TO JERUSALEM, YOU SHALL BE BUILT, AND TO THE TEMPLE YOUR FOUNDATION SHALL BE LAID. CHAPTER 45, THUS SAYS THE LORD TO HIS ANOINTED, TO CYRUS, WHOSE RIGHT HAND I HAVE HELD TO SUBDUE NATIONS BEFORE HIM, TO LOOSE THE ARMOR OF KINGS, TO OPEN BEFORE HIM THE DOUBLE DOORS SO THAT THE GATES WILL NOT SHUT, be shut, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. So an amazing prophecy. What is told 200 years before it happened, that Cyrus, who is named by name before he was even born, that he is my anointed, he is my shepherd. Nebuchadnezzar is called uh, God's servant. And I believe that Nebuchadnezzar who was, uh, when you begin to read about him in Daniel's book, was a hothead. He was the most powerful man, whatever in the world, as spoke was law. If he changed his mind five minutes later, uh, that was law. But Nebuchadnezzar would go insane as you read chapter 4 of the book of Daniel. He, he went insane. He was like an animal, clawing on the ground for seven years. And then he would come to a census, and he would write a letter to the world. And he would write his testimony. And I believe that there's a very good chance that we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. I believe that he came to the Lord at that time. But the Lord humbled Nebuchadnezzar, used him for his purposes. And what I also find very interesting, that during those seven years, that Daniel protected Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel was Nebuchadnezzar's right-hand man. And I believe Daniel protected Nebuchadnezzar because there could have been those who come in very easily, would have desired to come in and take the throne away from Nebuchadnezzar during those seven years of him going insane. And the Lord was humbling him of his pride, of his arrogance. And he would be humbled during those seven years. So read those chapters. But as I consider this, here is uh, Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. Here is Cyrus, uh, my servant, who's going to make the decree, which he would do in 536 B.C., that the Jews could go back to Jerusalem and begin to build the temple. And that's what Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, would do. They would take just under 50,000 people, and they would go back to Jerusalem and begin to build the temple. Then it would be later on that Nehemiah would go back and build a wall around Jerusalem. Jerusalem under Xerxes, who was the king of uh, the Medes and the Persians at that time in 445 BC and so all that timeline taking place but here's the thing to remember that God as Romans chapter 13 says that he's the one that sets those in authority that he places those in authorities for his purposes and God is still on the throne and I want to remind us of that because right now WE ARE HEADED TOWARDS NOVEMBER WHERE, YOU KNOW, THIS NATION IS MORE DIVIDED THAN EVER BEFORE. AND I LOOK AT IT AND THERE'S A LOT TO CONSIDER, A LOT OF VOICES, A LOT OF THINGS GOING ON. BUT I WANT TO REMIND US CHRISTIANS OF A COUPLE THINGS, THAT THE LORD IS IN CONTROL AND EVERYTHING IS COMING TO WHERE IT'S GOING TO CULMINATE, TO WHERE JESUS CHRIST IS GOING TO COME BACK. IN HIS KINGDOM, AND I CAN'T WAIT FOR THAT TO HAPPEN. BUT IN THE MEANTIME, FOR US AS CHRISTIANS, LISTEN, WE NEED TO BE PRAYING, WE NEED TO BE LISTENING, WE NEED TO BE LEARNING, WE NEED TO SHOW COMPASSION. AND WE NEED TO BE GIVING THE GOSPEL, BECAUSE THAT IS THE ANSWER FOR OUR NATION. IT'S THE ANSWER FOR US, FOR OUR FAMILIES, FOR OUR COMMUNITY, FOR OUR NATION, FOR THE WORLD, IS THE GOSPEL. YOU KNOW, I I WAS THINKING TODAY ABOUT REVELATION CHAPTER 5 THAT IN THE HEAVENLY SCENE WHEN WE'RE ALL STANDING BEFORE THE THRONE OF GOD SINGING THAT NEW SONG THAT WE HAVE BEEN REDEEMED BY YOUR BLOOD OF EVERY TRIBES, TONGUES, PEOPLE, AND NATIONS. JESUS SAID IN JOHN'S GOSPEL, IF I BE LIFTED UP, I WILL DRAW ALL MEN TO MYSELF. EVEN AT THE BIRTH OF JESUS, REMEMBER? We know the text, we memorize it, that angel would say to those shepherds that born to you in the city of David, Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And behold, I bring you great tidings of good news that will be to all peoples. We are to give the gospel. And the things that we are seeing going on, we've been through a a very difficult season with the COVID-19 and now with the, the riots that have taken place and, and the protests, and we all have different opinions and we all have different thoughts, but I just want to say this, church, that we are to love others. And we have the message of hope. And as I've prayed about this, I always want to look through everything through the lens of Scripture. That Jesus looked at the multitudes with compassion, as we're going to see in Matthew's gospel, as sheep without a shepherd, scattered, hurting. And we are to have compassion and be a voice of truth. And I know that I can learn and I can, you know, listen. And I want to be a part of the solution and bring in healing. And I know that comes by the compassion and love of Jesus Christ in treating others with dignity. And I think that we would agree with that. But I also know that the Word of God says, as we see the debate going on uh, and, you know, with law enforcement and what happened in Minnesota and Minneapolis was tragic. It was very tragic. And there's a lot of anger right now. And now there's talk about you know, abolishing police departments. I want to say this, that Romans 13 goes on to say that those peace officers are ordained by God and ministers of God for good. And we need to remember that. And God has put that in place. And so we want to be ones that, yes, we want to listen, we want to, to have compassion. I know that I can learn. And, and we want to be praying for our nation. And I am one that I know police officers. I've been involved as a chaplain for the sheriff's office for 18 years. Some of them I call my friends. And they are here for good. And I know that a vast majority of them, that they do want to serve their communities. And there's always a a few bad apples and, and what happened, I pray that George Floyd, that his family receives justice. What happened was tragic and not right. But to abolish police departments and all of this, the other extreme that we're seeing, God ordained them to be there. And there can be the discussion about reforms and all of that But we need to be praying, and we need to support those who are in law enforcement. I know that I'm going to. And when things are wrong and and a crime is committed, they are to be, you know, one that is accountable. I am all for all that and the discussion of it. And there, no police officer is above the law, or politician, or pastor. There are some bad pastors they are bad politicians in every area of life. So I, we want to be a voice of reason and a voice of truth. And I so appreciate, because I call some of them my friends, and their fathers, their mothers, their, their grandfathers. They coach little league baseball and basketball. They're on the boards of, of those uh, you know, charities and things like that. They do good in the community. And they are called to do good. They are ordained by God, ministers of God for good. And when they do bad, that's a different story. And they are to be held accountable. And I know that a vast majority of police officers, peace officers, that they want to serve their community. They want to serve. They want to do good. And they want to do what is right. And I know that because I've been around them for a long time. And I know that they, right now, are going through a very difficult time. You know, I heard one council member in Minneapolis say, you know, I I dream of the day when we don't need a police force. Listen, there is going to be a need for a police force in this world because also as I look through the lens of scripture that it says that lawlessness is going to abound, Jesus said that's one of the signs in the last days, and the love of many are going to grow cold. Listen, Satan is doing everything he can to destroy this nation. And as everybody is stepping back and debating all this and the voices and the anger and all of this, the church needs to step forward and be a voice of compassion and mercy and most of all of truth, what God's word declares, and to point to Jesus Christ who was lifted up for all men. For all men. He is the answer for us. And to be praying for our nation and be on our knees before God and how we can listen and how we can learn, because I know I got things that I can learn. And I want to look at everything through the heart of Scripture because when peace comes, it's when the Prince of Peace is going to come. So here's Jeremiah saying, you're gonna go off into captivity for 70 years, and then it will come to pass, when 70 years are completed, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation as we continue. Verse 13, so I will bring on that land all my words, which I pronounced against it, all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah has prophesied concerning all the nations, FOR MANY NATIONS AND GREAT KINGS WILL BE SERVED BY THEM ALSO, AND I WILL REPAY THEM ACCORDING TO THEIR DEEDS AND ACCORDING TO THE WORKS OF THEIR OWN HANDS." SO AFTER 70 YEARS, GOD'S GOING TO DEAL WITH THE BABYLONIANS, WHICH HE WOULD. THEY WOULD FALL TO THE HANDS OF THE Medes AND THE PERSIANS. THEY WOULD FALL TO THE HANDS OF THE Grecians, WHICH WOULD FALL TO THE HANDS OF THE ROMANS. THE ROMANS, THE ROMAN EMPIRE WOULD DISSOLVE, AND THE NATIONS OF THE WORLD WILL COME TO AN END AS THAT VISION OF DANIEL CHAPTER 2, THE ROCK HITS THAT IMAGE THAT REPRESENTS THOSE EMPIRES FROM THE TIME OF BABYLON ALL THE WAY TO THE SECOND COMING OF JESUS CHRIST. THAT ROCK REPRESENTS CHRIST, AND THE IMAGE FALLS. MAN'S KINGDOMS WILL COME TO AN END, AND HIS KINGDOM WILL LAST FOREVER, AND WE BELONG TO THAT KINGDOM. SO AS HE BEGINS TO NOW SPEAK TO THE GENTILE NATIONS, VERSE 15, FOR THUS SAYS THE LORD GOD OF ISRAEL TO ME, TAKE THIS WINE CUP OF FURY FROM MY HAND AND CAUSE ALL THE NATIONS TO WHOM I SEND YOU TO DRINK IT, AND THEY WILL DRINK AND STAGGER AND GO MAD BECAUSE OF THE SWORD THAT I WILL SEND AMONG THEM. THEN I TOOK THE CUP FROM THE LORD'S HAND AND MADE ALL THE NATIONS DRINK TO WHOM THE LORD HAS SENT ME. AND JERUSALEM THE CITIES OF JUDAH, ITS KINGS AND THE PRINCES, TO MAKE THEM A DESOLATION AND ASTONISHMENT, A hissing AND A CURSE, AS IT IS THIS DAY. VERSE 19, PHARAOH, KING OF EGYPT, HIS SERVANTS, HIS PRINCES, ALL THE PEOPLE, the kings of the land of uh, all the people, all the mixed multitude of the kings of the land of Uz, the kings of the land of the Philistines, namely Ascalon, Gaza, Ekron, and the remnant of Ashdod, and in verse 21, Edom, Moab, that's over by Jordan, and the people of Ammon, and the king of Tyre, and all the kings of Sidon, that's up where Lebanon is today, and the kings of the coastlands, which are across the sea, and Dadan, that's Saudi Arabia, Timah, Buzz, and all who are the furthest corners, and all the kings of Arabia, and all the kings and the mixed multitude who dwell in the desert, in verse uh, 25, and all the kings of Zimri, and all the kings of Elam. Elam is actually on the very west side of what is today is iran we'll see some prophecies at the end of the book of jeremiah concerning alam and all the kings of the medes and all the kings of the north far and near one with another and all the kingdoms of the world which are on the face of the earth also the king of shishak shall drink after them now a couple things here god speaking to those gentile nations the cup of wrath listening all the nations that surround judah in the MIDDLE EAST THERE. Um, ALL THOSE NATIONS WERE CONQUERED BY BABYLON. AND HERE, AS HE MENTIONS AT THE END OF VERSE 26, SHISHAK, THAT IS A CODE WORD FOR BABYLON. Uh, BABYLON IS GOING TO BE DEALT WITH AS WELL. AT THE END, YOU'RE GOING TO BE judged. NOW, BABYLON WAS OVERTAKEN, AND PEOPLE SAY, WELL, WHAT IS THEN CHAPTER 17 AND 18 OF THE BOOK OF REVELATION ALL ABOUT? YOU KNOW, BABYLON WAS FIRST MENTIONED IN GENESIS, AND IT'S MENTIONED ALL THE WAY THROUGH SCRIPTURE TO THE BOOK OF REVELATION. AND IN THE BOOK OF REVELATION, IN THE TRIBULATION PERIOD, WHAT WE SEE IS RELIGIOUS BABYLON IS GOING TO BE DESTROYED, And what's going to take place, as you remember in our study last year the book of Revelation, that the woman's riding the beast. The beast is the Antichrist. He is called that in Revelation chapter 12. And this woman is a false church that will be a worldwide false church that the Antichrist in the first half of the tribulation period is going to support. But then as Paul writes in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 that the son of perdition the the uh, Man of sin. He's also called the lawless one in that chapter That he is going to go into the temple of God in Jerusalem He's going to present himself as God to be worship as God and when he does that he's going to command the world to worship him And in all of this, as you read it, you recall that he is going to be a world leader. He's going to be a religious leader, a military leader, an economic leader. If you do not make your allegiance to him, Revelation chapter 13, you will not be able to buy or sell. And you're going to be put to death. You're going to be martyred. And he's going to heavily persecute the believers in the tribulation period, and then also the Jews. They're going to have to flee a remnant of them to the rock city of Petra. So there's a lot in those chapters that are being spoken of that's going to take place, uh, the turning point that leads to the great tribulation, three and a half years, the second half of that seven-year period called Daniel's 70th week. We call it the tribulation period. That that the Antichrist is going to set himself up as God because he is under the direct control of Satan, and Satan's always wanted to be worshipped. And that will lead to God pouring out his wrath as, as during the tribulation period in a Christ-rejected world, but a lot of things are taking place. And that's what we're seeing. As Jesus said, the birth pains leading to, toward a culmination in the tribulation period that we're going to see judgment being poured out. We're going to see great earthquakes, pestilence, and, and lawlessness. He's called the lawless one. Jesus said that lawlessness will abound and the, the heart of many will grow cold. And um, and it's amazing as you look at it, uh, the things that are pointing to the soon return of Jesus Christ. But the good news is that he's going to come for you and for me, for the church, before that happens. It's interesting. I was reading the G7 Um, that they want to officially put in three more nations to make it the G10. Does that sound kind of prophetic? Out of the ten horns comes the little horn. You know, I look at it and I think it's absolutely amazing. The things that are lining up, the talk of a one-world government, a one-world system, all these things that, that we see around this are the birth pangs that are taking place. And as we continue here, that here he says, the nations, take this wine cup, the fury of my hand. But I do want to remind us of this. The good news for us is Jesus, when he was in the garden, he prayed. Sweat drops, sweating drops of blood, and he's praying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will but your will be done the cup of suffering and death that he was about ready to go through and in that garden when judas led a detachment of troops that come to arrest jesus peter he tried to be so brave he pulls out a sword he swings it he gets malchus the servant of the high priest chops his ear off jesus heals his ear and says peter put the sword away don't you know that i am going to that i shall drink of the cup that the Father has given me, the cup of suffering and death. Peter, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die for your sins, and I'm going to die for all their sins. I'm not going to destroy Jerusalem. I'm not going to destroy, destroy these soldiers. I'm not going to destroy the world, because I am going to come that we might have a living hope through the cross of Jesus Christ. And as he was sweating, great drops of blood submitting to the will of the Father, going to take on the cup of suffering and death, the next day he did, as he would bleed on the ground as he walked down the Via Della Rosa to that place of execution. And he died on Calvary's cross for you and for me. That is our hope. It is the only hope. And he is going to come back. And we're going to come back with him and he's going to establish his kingdom. But as he talks about the the cup of wrath, Jesus took the wrath for you and for me. We don't have to drink of that cup. And if you're not right with God and you're listening tonight, give your life to Jesus Christ. He loves you. He came and died for you. He knew you before you were even created and set his love on you. And as you realize that you need him, the Savior of the world, call out to him, come as you are, turn to him to be forgiven because it's the greatest need that any man or any woman has. And he'll forgive you and give you a new heart and bring you into the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we are one. Out of every tribes, people, nations, kindreds, we are one in Christ. The wall of separation has been torn down, Paul writes in Ephesians. And we have a living hope and right relationship with the Father. Will you give your life to him? We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. And as he continues, we read in, in verse 27, Therefore you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Uh, THE GOD OF ISRAEL, DRINK, BE DRUNK, AND VOMIT, FALL AND RISE NO MORE, BECAUSE OF THE SWORD WHICH I SEND AMONG YOU. AND IT SHALL BE, IF THEY REFUSE TO TAKE THE CUP FROM YOUR HAND TO DRINK, THEN YOU SHALL SAY TO THEM, THUS SAYS THE LORD OF HOSTS, YOU SHALL CERTAINLY DRINK, FOR BEHOLD, I BEGIN TO BRING CALAMITY ON THIS CITY, WHICH IS CALLED BY MY NAME, AND YOU SHALL BE UTTERLY UNPUNISHED, SHALL YOU NOT BE UNPUNISHED, FOR I WILL CALL ON A SWORD ON ALL THE INHABITANTS OF THE EARTH, SAYS THE LORD OF HOSTS. NOW HE BEGINS TO CHANGE TO THE INHABITANTS OF THE EARTH. GOD'S, YOU KNOW, THE NATIONS ARE GOING TO BE LIKE A MAN WHO HAD VOMITED AND FALLEN DOWN DRUNK. IT'S REAL GRAPHIC, AS WE SEE HERE. IT'S A PICTURE OF SIN. AND IN VERSE 30, THUS PROPHESY prophesy AGAINST THEM ALL THESE WORDS AND SAY TO THEM, THE LORD WILL ROAR FROM ON HIGH AND UTTER HIS VOICE FROM HIS HOLY HABITATION. HE WILL ROAR mightily AGAINST HIS FOLD AND WILL GIVE A SHOUT AS THOSE WHO TREAD THE GRAPES AGAINST ALL THE INHABITANTS OF THE EARTH. A NOISE WILL COME TO THE ENDS OF THE EARTH, FOR THE LORD HAS A CONTROVERSY WITH THE NATIONS. HE WILL PLEAD HIS CASE WITH ALL FLESH. HE WILL GIVE THOSE WHO ARE WICKED TO THE SWORD, SAYS THE LORD. AND THUS, SAYS THE LORD OF HOSTS, BEHOLD, DISASTER SHALL GO FORTH FROM NATION TO NATION, AND A GREAT WHIRLWIND SHALL BE RAISED UP FROM THE FARTHEST PARTS OF THE EARTH. AND ON THAT DAY THE slain OF THE LORD SHALL BE FROM ONE END OF THE EARTH EVEN TO THE other END OF THE EARTH. TAKE NOTE, THEY SHALL NOT BE LAMENTED OR GATHERED OR BURIED. THEY SHALL BECOME REFUGE ON THE GROUND. HE'S TALKING ABOUT NO ONE WILL ESCAPE. The judgment of God is like a roaring lion. The ultimate fulfillment, I believe, being spoken of here in the tribulation period, when God's gonna pour out his wrath on a Christ-rejected world. Listen, sin will be judged. Jesus took the judgment for you and for me, for you who freely come to him. But sin is gonna be judged. And he is gonna come back, and he's gonna rule and reign with righteousness. And then as we finish the chapter, wail, shepherds, and cry, roll out the ashes, you leaders of the flock. In the days of your slaughter and your dispersions are fulfilled. You shall fall like a precious vessel, and the shepherds will have no way to flee, nor the leaders of the flock to escape. A voice of the cry of the shepherds and a wailing of the leaders to the flock will be heard, for the Lord has plundered their pasture, and the peaceful dwellings are cut down because of the fierce anger of the Lord. He has left... His lyre like a lion, and their land a desolate because of the fierceness of the oppressor and because of his fierce anger. No one will escape, even if you're a king, whoever you are. And I want to remind you that the foot of the cross is flat for any of us to come, whatever you have done, whatever your background. Whatever your age, whatever your race, the foot of the cross is available for you. If you never made a commitment to Christ, will you do that right now? Because he is your salvation. And also I want to say this, for you who are not right with God, that you're living after the world, the world's going to disappoint you and deceive you and defeat you and you will be unfulfilled and unsatisfied. If you're living after the world and you know the Lord's been dealing with you, will you please repent? Stop and turn to him because he loves you. Don't ignore the word of the Lord like they did because it will not end up well. He loves you. So, Father, I pray for... For us tonight that we would always be sensitive to your leading lord even as i I think about the sermon on the mount that we're told to to go the extra mile to pray for those who persecute us to love our enemies we can't do that unless you're ruling and reigning in our hearts lord we want to see people as you see them as a, a, a shepherd looking at the sheep that are scattered without a shepherd that are hurting. They don't know the truth. They don't know the hope of the world, and that is Jesus Christ, and we want to be that voice. We want to be that voice where we desire justice and mercy and what is right. We desire for a nation to come together in reconciliation and all the tensions, and that we would step forward and be that voice that voice of truth, that voice of love and compassion. But, Lord, I also want to pray for our law enforcement. I thank you for them. I thank you that they are for our good. And I just pray that, Lord, that whatever the discussions of our leaders are coming out, that, Lord, it it would be right. because they are ordained by you for good. And I know that they're hurting as well. This nation is hurting. And Lord, in the midst of a pandemic, and people have lost their jobs, and Lord, I pray that we get our eyes on you and on eternity, because this is all culminating into... THE LAST DAYS WHERE IT IS CALLED PERILOUS TIMES. SO, LORD, I PRAY FOR ANYONE HERE TONIGHT THAT YOU'VE NEVER COME TO CHRIST. YOU CAN PRAY RIGHT NOW. JESUS, I COME AND I ASK THAT YOU BE MY PERSONAL LORD AND SAVIOR. I AM A SINNER IN NEED OF YOU, THE SAVIOR OF THE WORLD. I THANK YOU FOR DYING FOR ME. I BELIEVE YOU'RE ALIVE. YOU ROSE AGAIN. Because you're speaking to my heart, and I thank you for this new beginning, and I thank you for your love for me and bringing me into the family of God. And I want to know you and walk with you all the days of my life, in Jesus' name. For you who you've been going after the world and the dictates of your heart. Are contrary to the ways of the Lord he's been dealing with you the Lord is saying turn back to me come home come home he loves you but if you keep going down that road of carnality and living for self and pleasure and and what is acceptable to culture but is so contrary to the word of God it's going to leave you empty and defeat it and you're going to go down road you don't want to go down He loves you. His commandments are not burdensome. And I pray that you would turn to him. He loves you. He's asking you to come home. Do that right now. You can pray, Jesus, I come to you. I've been going down a road that is wrong. I've been full of carnality, lust, immorality, angry, unforgiving, whatever it might be for you. The Lord loves you, and Lord, help me to live for you. And I want to reaffirm my belief in you. I want to grow in my love for you. I want to come home. And I thank you for receiving me with open arms. I want to repent and turn to you. And I know your word tells me that anyone who who sincerely repents in their hearts, you receive. So I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you for tonight's lesson. May we be salt and light. And Lord, we pray for our nation. The enemy is ripping us apart. There be a great awakening towards you that you are the one that can truly bring healing. Lord, I pray that as Christians, we would be on our knees and show compassion and proclaim the truth as we've been praying. Bless everyone here tonight. We're looking forward to meeting again on Sunday. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And amen. Hey, God bless you. Hope to see you on Sunday. And may the Lord just fill you with his love in the meantime. God bless you. Good night.